Thank you so much for downloading this episode of So What Do You Really Do? The podcast where I, your host, Dander Dennis Maller, speak to artists and entertainers about their day jobs. And the thing we're going to be talking about today is probably a thing everybody is talking about right now, and it's COVID-19. Uh, more, more specifically, talking about uh, talking to two comedians, Dan Martin and Andrew Mayer, who both released comedy albums as this pandemic is happening, as this quarantine, shelter-in-place, isolation at home came along they both unintentionally released or were planning to release comedy albums and i wanted to talk to them because well frankly i wanted to talk to them and tell people about their albums i wanted to help them get the word out because it's hard to promote something right now because there's so much going on and more importantly i want to know how they are dealing with that thing i mean i talk about it in there i don't know how well i would do if my album recording got canceled because of this insane pandemic that's happening right now. I don't know how well I would adjust to that. But that's me. Because uh, I also did not take... I'm not taking this quarantine well. I am now. The first couple weeks. Uh, whoo, boy. It was rough. How are you doing doing this, though? How Are you getting through all right? Are you getting your unemployment? You know, did you get your 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 stimulus check? Uh, okay, I just unintentionally Mark Marin the shit out of this, and I didn't mean to. But no, it's this is what we're all talking about now, whether we want to or not. No matter how sick we are of it, it is the subject that is on all our minds. And unfortunately, for certain artists, it affects them completely differently than other people. Everybody's going to be affected differently about this, and sometimes we don't think about that. Like, I have friends back in Maryland who we were talking to just the other night, and they're waiting to file their unemployment weekly check-in, and they're 30,000th in line on the website. There's 30,000-plus people in front of them in line just to say, hey, yes, I'm still unemployed. Please send me my check. And that's insane, but... That's what people are dealing with. Gig workers, you know, everyone's been talking a lot about gig workers, and that's the self, uh, the self-employed people, the people who have a 1099 or, or who get paid in cash. They don't even have paperwork to prove how much they make. They're amazingly affected by this, and I want to talk to some of the people that are doing that. And so that's probably what the next couple episodes are going to be about, talking to those kinds of people uh, to see how this is affecting them. And if you don't want to hear anything about COVID, why did you click on this? Because it's in the title. <laughs> <laughs> but I get it. I mean, there's a part where I didn't even want to have these conversations, but I think they're important to hear how comedians and artists and other friends of mine are being affected by this because you may have friends in similar boats, you know? So anyway, they'll start off with a conversation with me and my good friend, Dan Martin. Uh, you know, Dan Martin, if you follow things that I do, Dan Martin is uh, uh, not only just a comedian here in the New England Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Boston, New England, Maine, comedy area. He's also uh, a, a, a constant performer on The Naked Show at Improv Boston, which is a, a podcast that I started producing a few months ago for host Matt Kona. So Dan hosts and headlines The Naked Show. Uh, Andy Ofeish, of course, is the head of uh, is the regular host for it. Dan fills in. Matt Kona hosts the podcast. Dan fills on that. And he is also a guest on it every week. So uh, if you follow the things that I do closely, you've probably heard Dan Martin's voice before. And then uh, we're going to talk to hilarious and very also funny comedian Andrew Mayer after that. But first, sit back and enjoy this episode of my conversation with comedian Dan Martin. So speaking 
of this whole so uh, here we are. epidemic that we are in. During this epidemic, uh, or pandemic, is that sorry, sorry to trivialize the COVID-19 <laughs> pandemic this, by calling it just an epidemic. This epidemic is pan. <laughs> this epidemic has become pansexual. Yes. Because... It's uh, fucking her, buddy. Because <laughs> viruses are non-binary yeah. and don't assign it a gender. They're they're raping everybody up in here. <laughs> so yeah, well, one of the things that you're, you know, we, we, I wanted to talk to you about is because you know everybody's affected by this, but one of the things that you are particularly affected by that most other people aren't going to be affected by is you had a comedy special scheduled that is now canceled. Yeah, uh, because of this. So, what was the what was the the planned comedy special? The planned comedy special was uh, at Improv Boston. I was going to record an hour of comedy called Raw Truth. That's the title I gave it. Um, and I had engineers behind it going to record it, and then we were going to put it out on you know all the sites, make an actual album out of it. Um, well, yours is particularly different. Explain the the name between about behind the. The, the title oh the title yeah raw truth oh yeah so i was gonna be naked um, yes. <laughs> it was gonna be recorded at the the naked comedy showcase which is where i uh regularly headline um once a month at improv boston been doing that for nine years so i talked with andy and uh he gave me permission to use the name of the show and so i booked a naked show off schedule so not the regular once a month so and real I quick, booked... just to explain to anyone who doesn't know, uh, this is not a clever name for a comedy show. It's exactly what you think it is. Yeah, it's people come out and perform naked. That's where the joke. That's where the title came from. Was uh, people ask? Actually, my mom, who is now um, dead, nothing to do with the coronavirus, but she's dead. Uh, but <laughs> when she wasn't dead and could speak, she's <laughs> she used to ask me about it and say that say that um, when I first said the naked show, she was like naked, like raw truth like you tell it like it is like they the like naked honest comedy the naked truth and i was like no i don't wear clothes she's like, oh god so <laughs> <laughs> that's where your title came from and one of the jokes in the set but uh yeah naked with no clothes on um you know you got guys guys are doing it on comedy central with no shirt on you know what i mean the Bert curses of the world but i was re- i was ready to whip out um but it wasn't gonna be filmed it's gonna be audio um, the idea of a naked show on audio was a joke for me. Like, all, like it was just part of the whole allure of it. it. Was like you're listening to me naked, and that sells one of the jokes at the beginning of the special more. It's like becomes part of it. So the whole thing was affected. Uh, they canceled all the shows, um, but it was supposed to be March twenty uh, third. Would have been. Well, I mean. It took a couple of weeks before we had to admit that it was going to be canceled. Yeah, we were up and down with it. Yeah. Uh, and how was what, what was your emotions leading up to possibly canceling it? I wanted to cancel it. I was just kind of like taking the the feeling. I did. Nobody knew what this was going to be. The you know the pandemic. Um, and I got motherfuckers out here drinking bleach, but nobody <laughs> knew. <laughs> nobody knew. So just when it was first, and Clorox. Glug, 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 yeah. Glug. <laughs> Right, fucking smoking Ajax, but nobody, <laughs> nobody just knew. Bong rips of Lysol, yeah. <laughs> just snorting that powdered comet shit you put in the toilet. <laughs> it's a, it's the ones with scrubbing bubbles. Yeah, that is scrubbing my brain. Um, 
well, we didn't know. So like when it was happening, it was like, maybe we should like, how do you people feel? And like, I would ask, um, not like you people, but like I would, <laughs> I asked the opening acts, um, you know, and the host, uh, Andy, Andy is going to host it cause it's, it's his show. So I was like, you got to host it either way. Like I got permission from him to use it, but I wanted him on it. Um, and Matt Kona and John Baglio. Um, and they were like, you know, we just gotta be safe. And so it was leading up to it. And then we were just sort of taking a poll and tickets were selling. Um, and then I just, I spoke with improv Boston. They just removed all the other, like the state's closing. So like, it was an easy decision because it was made like the week we were trying to make it. The decision was just made for us. But I did. I do feel like we would have probably postponed it. You know, we didn't know how far this was going to go. No one does or did. Um, so we were at least going to push it uh, back. But now we don't know what I, I do. I am in talks with them for when they reopen, but it's going to be, you know, further down the line. Well, even when they reopen, there's a whole list of shows that they probably have ready to go. Yeah. Once Improv Boston reopens. And do you, I mean, I would imagine, and this is not a personal against you. This is me uh, throwing shade at Improv Boston. When I say that they're <laughs> probably going to put you low down on the list of things, because that's how they treat most stand up comedies is like, they're going to want their main show back and they're going to want kids show. And they're going to want to push all of those things long before they're like oh yeah somebody wanted to do comedy with his dick hanging out yeah do you have that well, feeling from them or do you think that they are positive and, and want to get you in as soon as they reopen i don't have that feeling i talked to uh to to uh the director and he is is a friend um he wanted to be at the show actually he had a meeting that night and so he wasn't going to be at the show so he's excited to actually be able to be at the next attempt um but just, you know, friendship and that stuff aside, um, they've always been like the reason I want to do the album there is that they've always been really kind to me, whatever I wanted to do. Yeah. Like even when I wanted to infiltrate some of the improv nights with my sketch partner and do that, I uh, do a weird, you know, uh, punk, punk rock band with no instruments and do like weird sketches. They've always kind of let me do that. Um, so. You know, and, and they've always been supportive and Andy's always been supportive, whatever I want to try when I want to start headlining and get more time. Um, so I feel like they're going to put it up, put it on the books. Um, I mean, it could be November. I, I hold up a lot of the animosity between standups and improv there, uh, mostly for, for, for jokes, but also because I do feel some of that from them. Yeah. But it's also confused for me because sometimes they're great and supportive and wonderful. And the other times they're like. Stay away, stand-up comedians. That like, I get this weird bipolar vibe for them when it comes to stand-up <clears throat> comedy at times. Yeah, it's not on. It's not that surprising. It's not surprising to me that they are being positive towards you. But if they weren't, I would have. If they weren't being supportive, I would have also not been surprised. It's all not surprising. No, I get it. Um, but I talked to them. the The initial contact was them asking me, like, "Do you still like? We understand that, like." you know, going forward, you might just take it somewhere else. So it was even kind of like nice of them to say, do you still want it to be here? Because we still want you here. And then I said yes to that. And then it's finding a date now. So, I mean, they just don't really know. I know they're doing their classes online and, and they're doing like some shows on online. That's not something I can do online, but 
Yeah, no, you don't want to do a live <laughs> naked comedy special on the internet because, uh, well, that's how you get put on lists. One, <laughs> two, <Yeah. laughs> it's, it's the same thing. It's the 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 joke of doing an audio album naked and they can't see it. Yeah, is a great meta joke. It's called Google this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's if you the the standard of be, doing Zoom webinars is that nobody's wearing pants anyway so it's like that's already part for the course that you're yeah. naked or half naked on a video ch- conference anyway so th- that joke is lost it's been crazy man like uh for like five days before this um i didn't i was wearing like clothes and i didn't shower and now for two days i've been wearing pajamas and i'm fully showered i can't seem to pull the two like <laughs> get showered get actually dressed don't shower wear nice clothes it's <laughs> really fucking weird (laughs) i spent the first three weeks of my furlough just in in a ball in bed not being able to function and then all of a sudden mania kicked in and i'm I'm trying to ride that wave as long as i can to get things done and be productive yeah well uh, all right let's use this uh, on a scale of zero to ten zero being uh excited and hopeful it's going to happen and ten being disappointed where do you think you fall on that scale with disappointment and hopeful that the special is going to happen when all this is over like disappointed uh, that you had to postpone yeah. it to yeah hey i'm just excited that i'm going to be able to get to do it at some point i'm just excited i'm i'm i mean zero is the best i mean i'm at like a one or two i'm, I'm doing pretty okay. good with that's it that's great that's great just I, just being productive I feel in like the meantime for me, if this was me my special i would be solid at a nine like that that's the worry and dread in my head is that if, if i had something like like even now i'm still at an if you know going back to work to never having a job again I'm a nine on that right now, and I'm guaranteed my job. And I'm still like, July 31st is going to happen. They're just going to email and go, fuck off. We've been meaning to tell you this for four months. I mean, I'm at an eight or nine for that, too, okay. <laughs> for my day job. <laughs> I don't have a comedy special that I'm waiting to do. I, but, so, yeah, you feel – so you're hopeful that you – know, you, you feel positive that this is going to happen when all this is said and done, that you're going to be able to do your special still. Yeah, uh, in a way. And, uh, I mean, there's just the whole, like – I talk to other comics, you know, um, and a lot of us do. We don't really miss stand up. Like it, it uh, sounds weird. We, I don't. I don't miss stand up. I miss people. Um, I, I miss that interaction. Um, but I don't miss doing my set as much. Like I don't miss like. Well, I definitely don't miss like the open mics or like any any desperate feeling or like I don't miss light crowds. Like I don't miss all that shit that goes into it. Yeah, nobody um, ever misses the bad parts of stand-up, even when yeah. you're doing the bad parts, you know. But I also don't miss the good parts, really. I just miss, like, you know, seeing my friends or um, being able to go to a place and watch a show. Like, um, I luckily had tickets to see Todd Barry, like, right before lockdown, and he still – we weren't close to lock, Like, we weren't social distancing yet. It was, like, right – like, a week or two before. So that was the last show I saw. I even got to go to a show was uh todd barry uh here in rhode island so i miss i don't miss doing stand-up i miss i miss stand-up but i don't miss doing it like that makes sense no that makes total sense and i think that is a a lot of feeling you know this i this incident i think made a lot of people is putting the thought in people's heads of are they really happy doing this or not Um, yeah and I, I the thing I worry about is I mean I, I'll be the honest I miss stand up I miss going out I don't miss bombing but I miss yeah. I miss all the high points 
I miss, but, and because I feel me on stage is the most realist, truest me. Anytime I'm not on stage, it's me holding back yeah. to be accepted by society. But when I'm on stage, I'm happy. I'm energetic. That is the, I'm, I'm free up there because I can't be free in real life because it's too much. That's <laughs> <laughs> a lot. <laughs> like Dennis is on stage is out of 10. You, you can't put up with a te- Dennis at 10 too much. It has to be dialed down to a five or a four. Yeah. Occasionally a three, occasionally a seven. Occasionally you can handle like 10 minutes of Dennis at being a seven, but he needs yeah. to reel it back. Uh, so that's what I miss. And, and I'm doing the, the internet, you know, zoom open mics and little Instagram shows here and there. And it's methadone for performance. Yeah. But it's not, it's, it's, you know, it's getting me by, but it doesn't like when you get off stage and you have that, when you have a great set, you get off stage and you're high for three days and you're happy, yeah. Yeah. you know, this gets me happy until I wake up the next day. Like I'll do the thing and I'll be happy for three, four hours, go to bed, wake up. And then I'm like, I might have like two hours the next day where I'm like, Oh yeah, yesterday went great for, for, for five minutes on zoom. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to existential dread. Yeah. Well, I feel like, um, it's been very useful. Like they say, like, you know, like you can't like a life worth talking about. You have to like live it. You know what I mean? So with the, with the pandemic, with the the quarantine and social distancing, um, there's still stuff coming out of it. Uh, I, I've been able to kind of go back into stuff I've created before and make stuff out something out of that. I have another project I'm working on uh, that I had a meeting about today. I can't talk too much about it, but it's it's a writing project. But also, like I'm at home with my wife and my kid and um i'm observing how how they're going through it and i'm writing jokes and i'm having you know panic attacks and (laughs) and and stuff like that so i'm writing about myself and then i'm also like having to like go out in the world grocery shop and i'm seeing so like i'm 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 observing the world still um and i know that like a lot of people are saying like there's some comedians that are already trying to undercut the whole thing like oh can't wait for all the covid jokes and uh that's fine i don't plan on making a ton of covid jokes but i do plan on talking about any experience i have that's related to how i've been living because the audience is not going to come to a show after all of this right away and be like yeah i I don't i don't remember it like they're not going to come and like not relate and they're not going to like get mad if you you know it's like the big elephant in the room is gonna be this shit so like how did you deal with it and i and i think that like some of my favorite comedians if i get to go back out and see the the todd barry's and the Patton oswalt's and my favorite people i sure as shit hope they talk about because i want to hear what's funny to them about you know what i mean i hope they talk about like who the president is or what like the common stuff that they talk about their voice you know I think what the difference is really going to be is when we come back, there's going to be two things. There's going to be COVID jokes and there's going to be experience your life during COVID jokes. Right. And that's what I want to hear is your life during COVID jokes. I don't want to hear COVID jokes. I want to hear life during COVID. And I think that's what you're talking about right now is you're writing from your experience and your life and what's going on and what you're observing and how you're dealing with it, which is where, let's be honest, where the best comedy comes from. It comes from living a life. And I'm unfortunate. My experience right now is that I'm not writing anything. At all. I have zero experience to be writing from. I have no interest in, like, I come up with a COVID joke here or there that I post on social media, but that's not going to be stuff I talk about when I come back. Yeah. Um, 
you know, so I'm worried that when I come back from all this, what's, what am I, what am I going to have to say that, you know, like I, I've just been going back and reworking and putting a new tag th- to stuff. And, you know, I'm very narrative and storytelling and I have no stories for this month. Yeah. Um, this two months. And that's my personal worry, but I'm glad to see that people, that, that you're still f- feeling inspired to write. And that brings me to my next question. Um, when you get to do the raw special, do you think you're still going to do what was written before or do you think it's going to change a lot? Part of what I do is not written. Like the album that I just I had you help me put out. When I did that, this it was supposed to be a recording and it, it didn't go well. It was a bad time, but the recording itself, the material was pretty good. That's why I decided to put it out. Most of that, most of Jesus Take the Wheel, available now on Bandcamp for a dollar or more. Most of it was, yeah, I had these these jokes, these these jokes I've been going around with. But I also had a lot of ideas, and it's earlier we talked about improv versus stand-up. I started when I was a kid, when I was 14, 14 going on 15 is when I got into acting. And I really liked comedy, so I wasn't trying to do Shakespeare at 14 and shit like that. So I started doing improv, those improv games that you play to get used to acting, and I liked those. And um, I don't like short-form improv anymore. I prefer long-form you know, like the Curb Your Enthusiasm type stuff and Upright Citizens Brigade. But playing those games when I was a kid, doing improv was like a drug. And I did improv all through high school. In the summers, I joined improv groups. I did improv in college. um, And I still do improv whenever I get the chance. But just more more long form projects. Like I take roles and things that where I can write my own dialogue or, you know, roles and things where I can create the character. Um, so when I do stand up, I love to have a, a 10, not, I'm not saying I go up there for an hour and I don't fucking know what I'm doing, but I like to have like 10 minutes of ideas in a 40 minute special or fifth, you know, in an hour that it's just floating around and it's fresh. So I had that, I had a couple things like that um for this and i think that i've been fleshing them out so i don't know like it might end up being longer is what i'm saying like it might be the the 45 minutes but it might end up being i might end up doing an hour and a half because i'm pent up you know um so i don't know because i've taken that stuff and, and sort of written it and i know that when i go on a stage and and get to have that loose part of my my process it might make it longer, but I think it'll be similar material, but I have more stuff. It's probably going to be weird to do some of those jokes like nothing happened for the past month is another thought I have. Like, are people going to give a shit that I talk about the things I talk about before without referencing where have we been? You know, so it might have to change a little bit. So you think it's going to be something that's going to that will involve evolve into something that was different than its creation because of what's going on. Yeah. I think it would be weird too to release an album um, after this and just not reference it. I think that might be weird too. Like, wow. Well, you listen to that comedian for an hour and uh, was he been in a fucking, where's he been? You know, like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> was he in a coma the past three months? Yeah. Like it's just really, it, I feel like it would be sort of out of touch. I'm not like a topical guy. So it would probably be best for me to just write experience-wise, like in the chunks of my act where I talk about, you know, my daughter or my 
my marriage, then put some stuff in there about it. Like, I think it would be wise to use it as a reference point and just make sure it's accounted for. So you already brought up, and that's one of the things I also wanted to talk to you about was Jesus Takes the Wheel. That's from 2015. That is something you recorded. Where did this recording come from? Was this just a recording you had? And you're like, fuck it, it's good enough, let's release it? Or was this an attempt at a recording? That was an attempt, because that that uh, week was the most fucked up week. So, like, 2015 was the year that I was going to, the year I did get married. I was getting married in November. And I had planned for a while, like, I want to do a recording. And so um, Laugh Shack, um, Tim Hoffman, would do shows at different places under the Laugh Shack moniker. Um, and he had me at 212 in Westbrook. And Alan Moore is like a music guy, like a band guy. He had this great equipment there. He was like, yeah, I can record it for you. And I was like, that would be great. And he like, sent it to me. I'd love to make something out of it. So I'd planned it for a little while. Um, and then that week on the 2nd, on April 2nd, my mom died. Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure like on that Friday, um, I had dealt with the funeral shit. And then that Saturday, I'm driving to Maine to do the show. And I still did it. And I, I talk about it. And uh, But I still did it. And then I got the recording back. And I was like, I, I don't have it. Like, I was just so depressed. So I ended up throwing it on a website as a 40-minute track. And, like, I sold it for I, – I actually – it was download. You could download it for free. Or you could donate. Some people gave me a little bit of money. It wasn't much, but I didn't do anything with it. And I actually didn't have that anymore. So when this all happened and Raw Truth got canceled, I messaged a buddy uh, who I knew had it. And I was like, hey, man, do you still have – like, do you still have a copy of uh, Jesus Take the Wheel? He said, yeah. I was like, can you send me a zip? So he sent it to me, and that's where I got it from because I didn't even have a copy of it anymore. Something happened to the hard drive that I had it on. The hard drive was like blank. So I don't know what the fuck happened, but um, I got it and I decided this should be a thing. So um, I was listened to it a couple times before I decided it. And I was like really happy with, like I figured like it's at, a, it was at a good enough. The energy in that room was good and it would be something I could put out there for like a buck, you know, and just be happy with it. And have people listen. And it did pretty good. It gave me something to put out on Bandcamp. It gave me something to talk about. People seem to dig it. That's good. Uh, one of the things I liked about the about it when I was listening to it is it is so very in the moment. Like you have material. You have jokes you want to talk about. But even those jokes are... You know, there are so many tags that's improvised. And you can tell where you went off script and, and fed off the audience. And... I, that's what I like about it is it's it, you can hear how in the moment the whole thing is. Very rarely do you hear that come across in other specials. Like I think the only other uh, you know not to blow smoke up at anybody's ass or anything like that. The last time I can remember hearing something I was so in the moment was like Mike Kelly's old older specials. Yeah. You know? So that I, I'm I enjoyed listening to it. I'm glad that you you know I'm not glad that this happened, but I'm glad that it gave you the opportunity to go back to something that you had and re-put it out because I think it's something good that people should listen to. And I think it's so much you and your voice that um, yeah. if people hadn't heard of you, they can listen to it and know exactly what kind of person uh, that you are. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and going 
going back, like, again, it was five years ago, so you're not, you, you know, if you don't know, if you can't remember the answers to this, um, that's fine. How much of the, like, if you had you, everything you went through that week shows up on, on the special. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about, you know, obviously you brought up that your father passed away, which was years before. Then you talked about your mother passed away a few days before this thing. How much of the comedy was changed by the things that went on that week? So much of it. Um, probably like 20, like, so the whole, the whole Disney thing, um, my wife and I had gone, uh, well, she's my fiance and I had gone to Florida, um, cause our, at the time our daughter was our niece and, uh, she was living in Florida. So we went down there for her birthday to take her to Disney you know, we knew we were going to eventually adopt her. She didn't know. So, but we were just spending time with her as aunt and uncle and just all that stuff. Was, was the Disney trip to try to convince her that the adoption was going to be the right thing? Yeah. <laughs> like if she had doubts, this, if you become our daughter, this is what life's going to be like. Yep. Disney. Like this is, this was the, the selling A whole pitch. new world. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. So that whole thing like had happened and I had wanted to talk about it, but I didn't have it written. And like I said, I do have that impromptu side of my process. Uh, but that actually wasn't just that one week, like leading up to that recording. It's not just those couple of days. Like my mom was was actively dying. So it was actually longer, you know, before we had to actually pull the, the plug. I didn't get to write that bit. So the, all of that was like, I have this, I did this, I went, I knew how I felt. I'm just going to start talking. And that's kind of like why I did all those in jokes too. Like, and that there was a guy wearing a fucking Mickey mouse tie in the front row. I could, I didn't plan that. I didn't know the guy. (laughs) It worked. You know what I mean? I was able to pull him in and things like that. So that was all new. And then of course, going to uh, the whole thing about my mom, like buying the casket happened that week. So that wasn't written. I just jotted it down and wanted to talk about it. You know, so burying her, all that stuff. Um, Anything about my mom within that two, three week period leading up to it was brand new to the moment. I think a lot of the stuff I had previously was just like the, you know, the stuff about dating and uh, stuff about like my weight loss or like things like that, that I had already had staples in my act. But uh, a lot of it was we're going to stretch. Um, and then there's stuff I left out to do that. And if people want to hear uh, your your special Jesus Take the Wheel, where can they find it? DanMartinComedy.BandCamp.com. And uh, that's my site. And you can stream it for free. You can buy it for a dollar or you can donate more. If you buy it for a dollar, I get 74 cents because I have to pay my fees. But if you want to just uh, hear it, it's there. If you want anything you give is great. If you want to wait till May 1st, Bandcamp is waving their fees for artists on May 1st. Okay. So any money donated on May 1st, I will receive all of it. And just to make sure, uh, you know, I've been seeing your post and it looks like everybody in the household's still healthy and dealing with this the best you can. Is there, is there anything you want to, how are, how are, I, I, what I'm saying is I like how you've been referring to your daughter now as your uh, roommate. Oh, she's the worst roommate, man. <laughs> she's so inconsiderate, man. <laughs> Like I'm in the I'm in the kitchen this morning making the dogs breakfast and she wakes up after us because I get up at like six with the dogs. I have two dogs 
and uh, you know she comes downstairs, and I'm in the middle of the kitchen, and she just walks by me, and if if she happens to bump into me, she just fucking pushes me out of the way, and she just goes <laughs> to the cupboard, grabs food, and starts trying to make her breakfast, and I'm like, I'm like, can you just wait two minutes? You know, like, <laughs> you know, you can have the kitchen, bro. Like, how can I go? <laughs> I like how you call your thirteen-year-old daughter, bro. Yeah, yeah. Listen, bro. All right, she's like a frat, bro. She's like fucking move, nerd. You know, she's like, <laughs> like let me put raisins and spice, bitch. Like I, I'm just like okay. So she's just just pl- she just plows through the house, and we've had to we've had to set a lot of a lot of ground rules, and just like wow, did you not have manners before? Like what's happening now? So. My wife and I are dealing with that, but the wife is good. The wife and I love canceling stuff, so, like, we, so it's been great. But well, do you feel like COVID's taken away the opportunity to cancel things? You're like, oh, I can't wait to cancel. Oh, no, it's already been canceled. It's, I guess, it's right? really made us more considerate, and that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, Dan, it was great talking to you. Uh, yeah, you too, man. Again, uh, if you want to hear Dan Martin's new special, Jesus Takes Real, go to Bandcamp, put in Dan Martin Comedy. Before all this, you were already working from home. I don't know if it was with this job or a previous job, but I know you've worked from home before, correct? Yeah, I, for my previous job, I worked from home almost full time for like a year. I would be in the office like every other week. So none of this is that different than for you and your wife at home then, right? It's still different, if only just because there's nowhere to go after as well. I really, at that time, did not like it and was very excited to go back to an office when I joined my new job. So it um, is not necessarily foreign to me, but it is sad. Yeah, there is some semblance of human interaction that you don't think about it until you don't have human interaction. Yeah, for sure. So Lee, you are still working during all of this craziness and going on. So that's a benefit because obviously there's a lot of people who aren't. So yeah, it, it's also, it feels weird to complain about being unhappy working from home just because there's so many people that are out of work. Do you feel a little bit of like, I don't know if this is the right term, but survivor's remorse because it was like, Hey, at least I'm going to work. Yeah. I, I hear that survivor's remorse does seem a little bit intense, but I, the, the sentiment there seems uh, accurate. All right. So the good news is everyone's healthy because I, I, seeing the Boston comedy scene, I don't know. I think we have like one or two comedians who have it so right. far and luckily everyone's coming out as far as I know. Okay. So that's good <laughs> that you're not part of that one or two people. Um, but what we really wanted to talk about is because uh, what, two, three days ago, you released your new comedy special uh, having a nice time. Yeah, I sure did. I have obviously not the ideal time to release a comedy special. You had this already planned in advance before all of this madness, right? Oh yeah. And I mean, again, with the, with the topic of survivors remorse. Yeah. I'm like very fortunate to have been able to record it just before everything stopped being able to be outside and in public, this like big project that I was planning actually did happen just before the cutoff. We didn't like push it up or push it back because of anything. Well, let's talk, let's go back to the day that it was recorded because you recorded it, if I remember correctly, was it January at the Comedy Studio, which they put in so much new great equipment. So recording a, a CD there, I'm sure, was pretty much ideal given the new equipment they have, correct? Yeah, very easy to do. They, their, their equipment is very good. Blonde Medicine also brought in some of their own stuff, but it was uh, pretty 
easy on their end, I think, just because as far as getting the audio, because everything was already wired the way they wanted it to be. Yeah. Is there, uh, other than your personal relationship with the comedy studio, because you used to host a weekly show there with Will Smalley back in the day. So you're very close with Rick and all them. Mm -hmm. Was there any other reasons uh, other than why you guys chose the comedy studio instead of maybe an independent venue? Um, I, I think my, I mean, I go way back with the studio in that I've been performing there for years and uh, did my first album there from 2015 uh, at the old venue. And that one was much more of a challenge as far as audio goes, but it's like, it's the right size for me in terms of like being able to fill it with uh, a supportive crowd, some of whom know who I am, but also probably get some strangers. The like bigger clubs are a bit harder of a draw for me. And then smaller places were maybe just a little bit too small. I, I wanted to get an audience that would be there, but not necessarily know who I am, but have a good idea of what they're coming to see. And then you mentioned Blonde Medicine, who's putting the record out for you. How did you get connected with them? Well, I, it's another sort of, um, I kind of go way back with people affiliated with the label. Um, the person who came to do the recording, the physical recording I've known since she was in college. I had just moved to Boston and she was a student slash she uh, was one of the first interns at the comedy studio. And uh, she put me in touch with the guy who runs the label before she started working there. And then we got this all in place. And then it turned out that she went joined on to their team uh, in the fall. And so she was ended up being the person that came out to record and it was great. You said you didn't buy, you didn't push it up. You didn't push it back. Was that a conversation that you and blonde medicine had? Was that something you were considering? Were you weighing your options of changing the release date? I don't think the release date itself ever changed because most of what they most of the revenue from an album at this point is streaming revenue. And that seemed to be fairly unaffected by this. We, the main things that were changed were like hard copy production because like most of that is shut down for the time being. So like if there was a reason to push back a date, it would be because we wanted hard copies to come out on the same day as the digital album. But enough stuff had already been moving where like it had already been picked up by Sirius, but sort of by the time everything got shut down, it had been on Sirius playing already. So I think we ended up just sort of sticking to the plan. Do you feel that the COVID-19 situation and everything that's going on, did it, do you feel like it affected your release in any way? I it, hard to say because there hasn't been a sort of a control group to compare it against, but um I think maybe it all cancels out in the end because like, I feel like um, people are at home and very interested in new content right now because especially live performance content is just uh, harder and harder to come by if you've been consuming it. Um, but also it sort of makes it feel a little bit less consequential overall. Like when there is a giant global problem event going on to just be like, Oh, also, uh, I have a CD coming out that's funny. I think you'll like it. I know everybody's filled with anxiety and dread right now, but I got something that'll make you laugh, baby. Yeah, exactly. So it is a little bit of both, where I feel like some people are a little bit extra excited to hear something right now, but then uh, are also perhaps an equal amount of stressed out to cancel that part out. Are you, is there any feedback, for, like negative feedback about that? Like, how could you release this at this time? Are you seeing that from somebody or is that more just 
our own comedian brains always waiting for the the <laughs> negative comment to show up in the comment section. Yeah, that hater might just be made up by, by myself, but uh, I have not seen any like any vocal negative feedback because of it. It just feels weird to mar- try to market anything right now. Is that is what's going on in that negative mind in you? Is that something you're trying to push forward when promoting this and mentioning? Like, uh, I think on your birthday, what was the post on your birthday? It was, hey, today's my birthday. Either send me a picture of a cute dog or maybe listen to my album. Yeah. I feel like that that post like that is inspired by the anxiety of somebody being a a troll. (laughs) Maybe. Um, And honestly, part of the. It's not that big a coincidence that the release date was the day before my birthday just just to be like hey everyone look at me also i have a cd that's coming out um and that and that that was also part of why i think that plan didn't necessarily change which by the way speaking of dogs that's a a lot of in i haven't listened to the whole album yet but i know most of your material i know you have a lot of material about dogs sure i sure do um what what which of the dog material made it onto? I know the um, uh, wanting to pet dogs when people aren't around made it on there. Did any of the old Air Bud jokes make it to the album? No, I uh, I wrote a piece where I ranked the five best Air Bud movies as so- sort of a like weird cross promo. But um, I-, I went to find it the other day and it has a bunch of like links and photos missing. So I have to follow up with the publisher about that before i really tell anyone <laughs> or, well this is your first time working with somebody else for your album you put one out album before now this one you're working with with uh blonde medicine mm-hmm. how has that experience been working with somebody else as opposed to doing it by yourself it is it's very different the thing that i like about it and that makes it easier is that i am working with people that i really like love and respect and have known for a long time and trust and so that part has been easy just knowing that they want me to put out the thing that i want and are trying to support that goal it has been maybe a little bit more pressure on this one than i felt like on the last one because when it was just me putting effort in i was like yeah no if it works out then it works out that's great but now someone else has a financial stake in it that i would like to have them think that it was worthwhile that they invested some time and effort into my project so yeah, there's a little more uh, like uh, my obviously I've, I've not put out a comedy album yet. I've recorded a couple albums for people, and to me, I show up, I record, they pay me, I leave. Yeah, editing and stuff like that. Like there's still pressure on my end of wanting to make sure it sounds good and perfect and and working it. I mean, that's been my business for 20 years, so that that's not much of an anxiety for me. However, I've done uh one two i think th- i can't even remember if it's been three or four albums that i put out for bands as a manager mm. uh, doing all the paperwork and legwork and getting it on itunes before it was easy to get on itunes you know it's easier now i'm not gonna say it's an easy process but it's way easier now than it was sure what was i 26 or 13 years ago yeah 25 you know 13 14 years ago um so there's a lot of pressure for me trying to make sure that I'm putting somebody else's artwork, that I'm making sure all the files are right, that everything's packaged right, and that it comes out in a timely manner. There's a lot of stress worrying it because it's somebody else's product. For you, you're putting out the product that somebody else is financially responsible for. Where does that level of anxiety and worry come from you for making sure that you want to, you know, that you want your CD to be good, 
and if what happens happens, it's a hundred percent you. Where does the anxiety come for putting out product of your own via somebody else and worrying about them having to like, are you involved in the, the, the control part of it? Or is it more of a, I'm putting this in their hands and hoping that they come back with it. Right. Like, I feel like there's, I think I'm trying to ask a question. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the balance of anxiety for putting out a product for you and the anxiety of putting out a product in conjunction with somebody else? Sure. Uh, I, I felt like with the first one that I put out myself, there was very little pressure on it for me because all the choices were mine and I was like fine with investing my own money and time into it and putting out a product that I thought was very good. And with the label, the label is very supportive of my, uh, like my own choices, like I said, and that like basically the way that they pitched it to me was that we both get a vote on the decisions, but you break the ties. So like we're going to have our input, but it's up to you what happens no matter what. But to that end, they did like front for the recording. They sent someone out to record it and they uh, put all this work into like the artwork and all that sort of thing. And when it wasn't me that had uh, invested that time and like paying people myself, it became much more of a like, I really hope this is as good as I hope it is and not it's, it's all imposter syndrome. Everything is just imposter syndrome and worrying that what you think is good is not actually good. So there is some of that, that anxiety, even working with somebody else. Oh yeah. And I mean, that always is, I don't think I'm ever personally going to shake that. Like, what if this is bad? It turns out. And once it comes out, everyone will uh, collectively just kick me off the planet. Yeah, no, there's a, no matter what, how much success one of uh, somebody has, there's always that voice in the back of the head. It's like, yeah, everyone's going to figure it out at some point and take the mask off and realize that I've been a dummy this whole time. Yeah, that, or they're all that, that they're finally going to realize, like, this has been a prank the whole time. We all hate you. So that, <laughs> yeah, that I don't, yeah, I can't. I mean, to be honest, that during all this, a, a lot of that and the dread and all that kept me curled in a ball in bed for the first two weeks of all this madness going on. Sure. I, I'm only maybe just getting there because I've had this project to work on this whole time is like, well, we're quarantined and all locked up, but uh, I do still have this thing coming out on April 24th. And uh, now that that is over, I'm like, oh, so there's just nothing now. Interesting. Yeah. It's the, it's going to come out whether, you know, We've already set the date. It's coming out whether I want it to or not. I might as well get behind it or get in front of it or whatever the, the, the phrase may be to. Right. Even just having like an event to look forward to was nice. And now there's like, oh, there's no events, maybe indefinitely. Yeah. Are you, so was there a planned album release show party, some kind of live event before all this? Yeah, I had a couple of like release party shows on the weekend, just sort of touring around venues in Boston that I liked. Um, nothing too crazy, but I was hoping to have some merch that hasn't materialized yet that will eventually. Are you going to still do that when all of this ends and we go back to our normal live? I don't think so. I think that the, that moment will have passed and I will, I, I've found it difficult to be really that creative dur during this whole time. Uh, when like 50% of my mental energy is devoted towards the coronavirus. Hopefully I'll have some new things to talk about by the time this is done and I can start a new project. Well, that's also, that brings up an interesting question I was going to get to uh, at some point is uh, obviously we're on social media. We're seeing the comedians who are working 
new material through this whole thing for better or for worse. <laughs> Cause we're all, I, I think every comedian, every logical thing you mean right now is dreading the amount of hacky coronaviruses that they're going to hear when they come back from it. And audiences too. I'm sure. I would hope. Yeah. Um, I, I try not to give the audiences too much credit just so I'm not, <laughs> so I could be pleasantly surprised um, in the future. I was um, talking to uh, Rob Crean about, the shows post coronavirus and what's going to happen. And I think at a certain point, people are going to go to shows wanting to hear jokes about the coronavirus, but also not at all wanting to hear them simultaneously. And then we'll hear like three and be like, that was fun. And then by the end, be like, okay, well, not everybody, please. Coronavirus, Corona with Lyme <laughs> disease, right, guys? Yep. yep. Um, and that's what I'm dreading. I'm not writing any experiences right now. I've not written anything. You know, I mean, like a Corona joke here or there, but it's not stuff I'll ever take to stage. I'm not writing anything about experiences. And it sounds to me that you're kind of saying you're in a similar boat where you aren't generating any new material during this time. And does that, am I correct in that assertion? And does that worry you about when you come back that you're going to just not have anything new? And To answer one of the questions, I forget if it was first or second, um, I, 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 maybe it's a, more of a side note, but you've heard, I mean, you know that I work from home or that I did work from home because of a bit that is on the album that just came out about how like lonely it is to work from home. And so like, that is sort of what I have to say about what's going on right now. And like, I don't know, a lot of that stuff has already been said at this point. So I don't know if I really am like looking to write about my life during uh, isolation. I do like have some projects I would like to work on. It's just been hard to focus more than anything. I'm not like, I don't think I'm concerned about uh, generation of material. I'm hoping now that this uh, release is over that I can start to focus on projects a little bit more uh, seriously with the metal, with the energy that I do have. All right. So yeah, there's, uh, okay. So there's, it's more in your, what you're more worried about now, right now is an issue of focus. Right. And I kind of like the material that I would try to write about this time, I feel like I wrote and put out on this album, which was unintentional, but uh, it certainly became much more timely when everyone suddenly had to work from home. Yeah. You weren't four months in the future thinking, all right, I can't, let me get out all my early working from home jokes before everybody else. Gets. It's like, because we're all going to be stuck at home. <laughs> like right. you were looking into a crystal ball, you know, rubbing your hands together like an uh, evil villain. And it's like, it's, it's weird to like, think about those bits. Cause even on the album, like it was before it had really hit here. And so like talking about working from home and throwing a boomerang around <laughs> by myself was like, the audiences laugh at like the pathetic character that is being displayed as such a lonely person. And now it's like, Oh no, every person is that pathetic right now. <laughs> right now. Or let's talk about the promotion for the album is working either with blonde medicine or during this time as the promoting of doing interviews or, you know, not beyond talking about it on social media and just dealing with other outlets is there has blonde medicine been helping with promotional outlets in a positive way or has it been mostly um what you've done on your own uh, most of what has happened has been at least set up through blonde medicine there were a couple of things that like if they were not involved and i had done this on my own they still would have happened but okay. there have certainly been 
some other things that I am grateful to have done or uh, done an interview for that wouldn't have happened otherwise if they didn't put some weight behind it. Which and the good thing is, and it sounds like what you're saying is beyond the fact of it's a good experience because you're working with people that you like, it's been an overall in general, even if they were strangers, a good experience working with somebody else for this album. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then, uh, I mean, the main difference between my album that I put out myself and this one is that the process to get it on serious radio is very nebulous and impossible to figure out if you're on your own, but this one, they figured it out. They know how to do it. And so they did it and it, the people who want to check out your new album, hey, we're all uh, hey, we're all having fun. <laughs> I, I'm I would, trying so hard not to. So I would up. love it if that was the title of the album. <laughs> it's uh, uh, having a nice time. So if people want to <laughs> hey, check out the album, hey, we're all having fun. <laughs> if people want to check out the album, why is I'm doing having a nice time? It's right in front of me. <laughs> I am the worst host in history. Well, on the album art, it's also backwards, so it is doing you no favors. I quickly brought up, I, I left your Facebook in the background in case there was anything I needed to list, like in the middle of a question, <laughs> just refer to or anything like that. Uh, having a nice time, having a nice time. So if anyone wants to hear having a nice time, where can they find it? It is on iTunes and Amazon and Spotify. Cool. And website, I've been sure. Uh, do you have your own website? I do. It's mayorcomedy.com. And if they want to check out more of you, they can do that at mayorcomedy.com. M-A-Y-E-R comedy.com. All right, Andrew, uh, this is great. And I hope people check it out. And I'm glad you and the wife uh, are doing well. And safe at all. Likewise. Thanks for having me. Three recorders, all recorders are working and recording. Yeah. We have audio. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell, man. All right. Now I want this. So I'm not looking at the wrong screen. I got to switch these screens real quick. That way when it, when I look at it, it, lo- it, I, it looks like I'm looking at you. At least you're in a padded room. Right? <laughs> yeah. My desk isn't padded though. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, is that feedback or your skull smashing up (laughs) yeah i mean i have my my whole studio is set up just so i can actually talk to people on the phone that's the way i designed this studio and i this other stuff have come come out and and i'm like all right well let me try this other software that's supposed to be better i don't have to worry about i don't have to tell anybody to do anything i don't all you have to do is click a link and it works. That's what they say. Just click a button and it works. And it doesn't fucking work when you click the button. I, I ran no there. Also, there's two buttons. There's two. You click the link and then you gotta click join session. And I was like, I wonder if he'll figure out the join session part of it his own. I did, and I had to give all sorts of app permissions. So I did have to like, yes, you can use my camera. Yes, I want to use my microphone. No, I'm not a robot or whatever the hell. So, <laughs> please select the street lights in these pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Pick all the pictures with crosswalks. <laughs> so this is if, 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 if. By the way, first off, let's let's talk about this. We're what six weeks, eight weeks into quarantine, and if by now you don't know how to use Zoom, 
<laughs> fucking hang yourself in your basement. <laughs> Not you. I'm just saying people in general. Like, I'm in my basement. Yeah. Well, I, I looked down. I'm like, well, that, that was the word that is going to come out of my mouth because that's what I'm looking at. But yeah. it's like I'm still troubleshooting Zoom for people. And it's like, how are, how have you not figured this out yet? Do you have no family? The the minute the minute that our session got hacked, the first time I ever used it, I was good. I learned right then. All right, yeah, well, that was a month ago. In yeah. fairness, a month ago, you were allowed to not learn to do things. Yeah, I literally had to troubleshoot Zoom with people like two days ago, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> How is it six weeks into the quarantine and this is your first time using this? How is that possible? Know. Have you literally just been a shut-in your entire life? Again, not you specifically, other people. I mean, yeah, you know. Man, and if you're a shut-in, chances are you're in the house with your computer and you have time. Like, are you a digital shut-in? Is that what it is? It's like, oh, I don't want to get... Is this what it is? Do you think the coronavirus... You could catch the coronavirus from your computer? Is that the yeah, problem? People... Look, I already have enough problems with Outlook. I don't want my Outlook to get coronavirus. It's a virus. <laughs> the coronavirus is the uh, techno virus of the 90s that, that, that um, cyberpunk movies my, warned us about. My lungs have been hacked. I, I, I think I got a pop-up in my, in my lungs, in my respiratory system. <laughs> I need an oh, ad blocker. Now I'm getting uh, spam likely from Chicago, Illinois on my phone. <laughs> what did I do by trying to get it on my phone? <laughs> uh, I, th I do. Th well, that's the thing about this program is they they have varying. Uh, there's no one I know has used it from a phone yet. And we've asked them, like, yeah, no, nobody's used it. Everybody's used it on computers. Like, all right, well, it's going to come up that it's going to someone's going to need it from the phone. It's going to happen. Yeah. Please yeah. help. But yeah. Anyway.